Superman and Booster Gold podcast. It is the July 2020 episode. So today I am talking about two things that I read while we went camping. We went camping in northern Michigan. It's beautiful on Lake Michigan. And Lake Michigan, Michigan is living in Michigan. There's downsides and there's upsides. But one of the things I have to say is that Michigan is one of has one of the most beautiful parts that of any state that I think rivals any state um, because on the the lake the lakes are so big uh, especially Lake Michigan that it might as well be the ocean when you're on the coast you can't see the other side it's the biggest lake and it feels like it's an ocean but it's fresh water how can you beat that no salt water I mean I love the ocean but fresh water is um, I feel like unarguably better than salt water, but we, my family and I, we went camping in mid July and it was nice. We like to, t- we like to tent camp, um, instead of an RV. We don't have an RV, uh, although my wife kind of wants to get one, but I like roughing it when you go camping. I like to get the actual, um, tent camp and go camping and you get out. We don't, you know, we usually do it once a year, but go for three, four days and just do some tent camping, really get away from, from it all. Um, but, and I always, I always bring some, some, some things to read, some books right now. I'm reading the novel that I'm reading is failure is not an option. The autobiography, the autobiography by Gene Krantz, one of the flight controllers for NASA, uh, during the, early the gem the mercury gemini and apollo missions and a little bit beyond that so i brought that book but of course i'm not talking about books on this show although maybe sometime i will do a side episode on on a book or if it tickles my fancy that i actually want to talk about it on the show for whatever reason but i also brought some comics along and i brought along the booster gold the big fall hardcover uh collecting issues one through 12 of volume one i talked about I talked about the sort of back matter and supplemental features, supplemental content, I should say, um, in a previous episode, gorgeous hardcover. Volume two is or um, uh, the next volume in this uh, Booster Gold hardcover collection is coming out. Uh, I believe it's called Futures Lost. Dan Jurgens has already posted they're they're actually printed i guess because dan jurgens tweeted an image of maybe four or five of them and uh the actual not a mock-up but the actual uh copies and so those are supposed to be issues 13 through 25 and some other content from volume one but i hadn't really actually dove in to the hardcover other than the special other than the supplemental content and so i did that while we were camping i didn't read the whole thing but i read up i reread up through issue four and i also read up superman up in the sky by tom king i had read that before but this other superman uh, portion of the show is superman up in the sky by tom king so let's get into the superman portion of the show so, the Tom King story, uh, Up in the Sky, with art by Andy Kubert, it was originally part of the Walmart specials that DC, I'm not even sure if they're still putting them out, but they caused a lot of hullabaloo when they announced they were going to be putting out these Walmart specials that were going to be reprints and newer, some new original content 
as well. And they were going to be sold exclusively at Walmart. There's going to be a Superman one, a Batman one, uh, various various titles. And they brought on big names to try to do original content for these as well. This started up about 2018. And this Batman one was written by, by Brian Michael Bendis. And Bendis has been doing the Superman titles. And so he was going to be writing Batman and it was announced that Tom King was going to be writing Superman. Now, what's funny is in 2018, when this was announced, I wasn't super familiar with Tom King. And I'm actually way more familiar now. I just read last week uh, the 12-issue uh, Vision miniseries that he put out by Marvel in 2016. And I've since read he's done Heroes in Crisis. And I have thoughts on that. Um, but he also did... Up in the sky, and it was going to come out, and it came out over twelve parts over these Walmart specials, from starting with special th- special three, and continuing up to issue sixteen. It missed issue fourteen, and I actually didn't read these Walmart specials as they were coming out, so I don't know what was in issues one or two or fourteen. What if there was any original content? I'm not entirely sure. But I had heard some decent things, and I was very curious about the original story by Tom King. So last year, 2019, they started putting out indiv- they started putting out because when they did the Walmart, they really pissed off comic book stores because they weren't doing they they weren't doing um, these weren't for comic book stores. These were Walmart exclusives. So you get. You get comic book stores who are going to Walmart to buy their inventory to bring it back to the store and sell it, and and this uh, this sort of hostility towards and and uh, and uh, sort of contentious relationship between DC and comic book stores and Walmart. At least uh, from my pers- perspective as the consumer, I could see this sort of hostility there. Maybe it wasn't as uh, big of a deal, but they announced last year that they were going to. St- start putting out individual issues that would go to comic book shops that would collect the original content from these Walmart specials. Whew, that sounds like a, if, if you're not a comic book fan, what I just said probably makes zero sense whatsoever. <laughs> um, and so they put out six issues um, with each two parts. And so each, each issue is, it was a 12 part storyline. Each part was put out, um, um, each issue collected two parts, and that's how I originally read the story. Was these individual issues? Now, I'm not af- I'm not afraid to say that when I just want to check something out, I will download it uh, through various means, and I fell in love with this story, and so I wanted to pay for it. I wanted to pay for the contents. And I didn't, I like the, of, of course, you can go to Comixology and pay uh, digitally, but I wanted to have it physically, and they announced a nice hardcover, and so, of course, I didn't buy it. <laughs> uh, my wife actually mentioned that, why get the hardcover? Because usually we get um, soft covers of things, because uh, we, we buy our comics through DCBS, Discount Comic Book Service. I think I've mentioned that, maybe not, but you can get comics delivered monthly is what our schedule you can even get uh bi-monthly or weekly if you wanted to of course you're going to pay for shipping the more the more frequent your um deliveries and shipments but we get monthly shipments from dcbs and you know so we get previews and we go through that and i saw up in the sky and i really wanted to buy the collection because i thought it was such a good story but my wife we said, well, you want the hardcover? And I was like, no, probably not. But then I happened to be at our local comic book shop. Give a shout out to Vault of Midnight in Ann Arbor, Michigan. But I was at Vault of Midnight buying actually the uh, very quickly and release announced special Negan Lives in the Walking Dead universe. Uh, Walking Dead ended with issue 193, but with everything going on, coronavirus related, they uh, Robert Kirkman, they wanted to, and Charlie Adler, the artist, they wanted to put out something that would help comic book stores, and so they put out this one issue special, Negan Lives. So I went to the comic book shop to pick that up, and was just browsing the the trades and hardcovers and everything, and I saw Superman up in the sky, and I, that was the first time seeing it in person, and it was a, it's a gorgeous collection. The 
the graphic design of the cover, it's really eye-catching. And I so I picked it up, support the, lo- support the, lo- the local comic book shop. And as I mentioned, it's written by Tom King, art by Andy Kubert. So I just talked a co- an episode or two back about Dark Knight 3, The Master Race by Frank Miller and Brian Azzarello with art by Andy Kubert. And now he- here we are again. And his art is gorgeous. That is part of the reason this collection is so beautiful is the art is amazing and throughout and i'm going to get more into that but i also want to shout out the colors the which are by um the colors are by brad anderson and the colors are they make this issue they make this series pop and i know i've seen you know i uh don't pay as much attention to the colorist as I probably should, but I do notice uh, various names. And Brad Anderson is one that when I see him, his name, it, it doesn't surprise me that the color is so vibrant and, as I already said, uh, made, makes the art pop. And that can a, a great great colorist can really bring everything to life and, and, and make it feel well-rounded because unless it's designed to be black and white, such as Walking Dead or something, or with gray tone... Uh, most comic book art really does look flat, even when written by a great artist. Uh, uh, some some contemporaries, uh, um, Jason Fabok or Jim Lee, or but when you see well, a lot of times you see pencils, and yeah, they, they look great. You can tell that they are fantastic artists and they deserve all their accolades, but it still doesn't make it pop off the page. And it's the colors that really round it out. And so I want to give Brad Anderson here a shout out because this book is gorgeous and he's a major player in that. I, I think, you know, obviously Andy Hubert gets the biggest accolades for the uh, for the way the book looks. He's the artist. But this book wouldn't be what it is, I think, personally, without the colors. And so I just want to sh- shout that out because colorists don't get a lot of love, even by me. So I wanted to bring that up. So let's dive in a little bit. And I can't stress this enough. This story is awesome. It is a celebration of Superman, the likes of which I haven't seen in a long time. Tom King, he's known for kind of writing dour, sort of character-driven stories, but it's not stories that make you feel really all that good. And so I should preface this by saying that I have read some of his Batman stuff, usually when it involved Superman, especially there was a couple of good issues leading up to the wedding with with Superman and Lois Lane guest starring with uh and interacting with Batman and Catwoman, but and then I've read the Gift storyline by um obviously starring Booster Gold, which I should cover on this show. I um which I will is a three issue storyline leading up to the wedding, also called the Gift and written by Tom King, but. I wasn't when I read this last year for the first time, and when I re- reread it just now. Well, when I read it last year, I wasn't su- su- super familiar with his writing, and now I am. And but he's Tom King. I feel like personally is really adept, and he does a great job of writing poignant, character-driven stories that are sort of dour a lot of times, especially Heroes in Crisis. So they don't make you feel good necessarily, but you but they're good stories. But this is a good story that makes you feel good, and it's a celebration of the symbol and the hope that is Superman. And he doesn't... He gets it. Now, I don't like to say, well, this person doesn't get Superman. If they don't write a story that I like or... I, I, I frown upon when a lot of people will say, well, this person just doesn't know how to write Superman. There's been so many iterations of Superman, so many versions. Who's to say? There is no definitive version. But there's the versions that you like to read or that you don't. There's the versions that make you feel good. Or there's the versions that make you not feel so so good when you're reading them. A lot of people have issues with you know, Brian Azzarello writing Superman or, or whoever writing Superman. But, and, and, and you hear it thrown around, like, this person, these people don't get Superman. But I don't really like to think of it like that. But there is what I like to read and what and what um, really touches me in a profound way. And this is one of those stories. This is a story that I think will go down, or if it doesn't, it should go down 
in the pantheon of the great Superman stories of all time. And that's those are big words. Those are gigantic words, but I truly believe it that you read that you and it's very self-contained, which is really nice. If you have a fleeting uh, or even uh, the most cursory knowledge of who Superman is, you can pick this up. And of course, my wife doesn't have only a fleeting knowledge of Superman. She's got a very in-depth knowledge because of who she's married. But she she's a Tom King fan. Uh, you mostly, well, she's she's read his Marvel work and hasn't read much of his DC work. But she heard this was a good story and she read it and she thoroughly enjoyed it as well. But this, this, this story fundamentally is about Superman struggling with and deciding to go on an incredibly um, um, needle-in-a-haystack journey to save a little girl. Fundamentally, that's the one-line ele- elevator pitch of this story. But it, it it's incredibly simple. And in some ways, it's a, sort of a cop-out because each of the 12 parts are really disconnected from each other it doesn't flow exactly superman will be in a completely different place at the start of one story or a start of one part than he was at the end of another one but they all flow and they're they're part of a bigger narrative of, of superman trying to save one little girl one little human girl and the journey that he goes on characters that he interacts with the mark that he makes in other characters the mark that the what we realize the universe, not just earth, but what the universe thinks of Superman and his reputation and what he stands for and his values. And you really get that in this book in a very visceral way, uh, because it's very concise. It's six issues, but it covers with 12 stories. So they're, 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 they're not long. They're almost, it's a, almost a collection of short stories that make one larger narrative, but it's, they're so well done that I, I just can't give enough praise to this book. But let me, so let me start going. I, I wanted to go story by story and, or um, uh, part by part and, and talk about it. And so the story in part one, the story is set up where Batman let Superman know about the situation and that a little girl was taken by aliens and Superman struggles with whether or not he should go. There's a page with Clark talking to Pa about whether or not he should go, and it's just incredible. Just the art. This is what I'm talking about. If you look at part one, where Clark's on the farm, which I gotta say, how refreshing it is. I am a Kent being alive person all the way, and not not like they're alive and hidden behind, and Superman's forgotten about them because they he, they to keep them safe. They've been hidden behind uh, cloaking whatever is going on in Bendis's run. And I shouldn't knock it too much because I've only read a, the slightest bit, but I like that this in in this storyline, the Kents are alive, or at least Pa is. We see Pa, and he has just a page where he's him and Pa, Clark and Pa are are struggling, or Clark is struggling and having a conversation with Pa about should he save this 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 girl, and and. He mentions that the Green Lantern Corps will probably find her unless they don't. And it's crazy to think that that they're having this conversation and, and they mention that the Green Lantern Corps, made up of over 2,000 Green Lanterns, will probably find her, but maybe not. Like, maybe it takes Superman, you. It, it paused sort of implying this. Like, maybe it takes you, you are better than all of them combined. You have the willpower and the determination and it's it's putting a lot on your son, but and and it's sort of building the ego up, but Superman can back it up. And there really isn't an ego here. That's the, in, the interesting thing is Superman doesn't have an ego. He doubts himself if he could do this, but nobody else doubts him, which is awesome. It's it's awesome to see how the world and the universe and the reflect on superman because barely any of them doubt him now some there's a couple do i'll get i'll get to the story and i'll get to one of the parts in a second where when 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 he is doubted and he overcomes but pa and clark are discussing this and and at the end uh spoiler you know uh surprise surprise superman decides to go off at the end and save this girl so that's that's part one 
part two. Part two, Superman uses alien tech to try to trace Zeta Beams to locate Alice, the, the, the little girl who was taken by aliens. And Superman is told that trying could cause him to lose his mind. The they the sort of aliens that he's interacting with say it is it it is mathematically certain you will go mad and you will die. Of course, Superman doesn't, and he's able to find Alice's location. That's the gist of part two. Part three, Superman versus Mido. This is basically a boxing match. Not basically, it is. The entire part is a boxing match, and Mido has told to Superman, if, if you beat me, I will give you information about finding this girl. But the point of the part, the point of the, the this part is to show Su- Su- Superman's grit, and you see him get pummeled, and he gets, he gets, he gets pummeled, and he's, he's getting, he's getting his butt kicked. But he, he keeps coming back, and he brings it, and he brings it, and he brings it. And Mido, at the end, just has to relent and say, enough is enough. I can't keep going, and you won't ever stop. You won't ever back down is basically the 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 punchline of that, of part three. And it shows Superman's determination, and it highlights it in a way in a dy- in a dynamic way that's just fun to read. It's fun to watch this boxing match, and that's what is what I mean though, where it feels very disconnected um, from the previous part. The previous part two ended. He had found Alice's location through the Zeta beam, and then here we are, just out of the blue. He's in a boxing match. How did he find out that Mido had this information? How did this boxing match to get set up and or any of that stuff that's not it's not there we can fill it in in our minds and it doesn't matter what what matters is the scenario that we find ourselves in and what it represents and what it says about superman and what it says about the other characters that mito is winning for a while and but he he decides i have to stop because this man is never going to stop this man this superman is i just don't have the the grit the, the fortitude to keep going and this man does because he's so determined to save this little girl we get to part four again super disconnected from part three so we find superman floating an unconscious superman floating in space and he's brought aboard an alien craft the the, the local healer uh, by mind bonding with superman learns just what type of superman is his character and how important he is to the universe and and he he makes the ultimate sacrifice to save superman he doesn't want to it's sort of uh, this this part is this part four is from this alien's perspective for the most part this this healer that he knows that he can heal superman but it's going to take everything he has but through mind bonding uh with superman think think the Vulcan mind meld. Uh, he gets glimpses of what Superman has done and the good he's brought to the universe and how much he's needed. And he makes the ultimate sacrifice to, to sacrifice his life in exchange for Superman. I The way that I read it is that to heal him takes so much energy and so much from the healer that it, it, it exhausts what he has and he, and, and he perishes and he dies. That's my inter- that's my reading, and it's very powerful that he decides to to do this and and sacrifice himself for Superman in this in this way. And and, and it is sad because he has this this alien healer. He has a family, and and we and we get to know them in these couple pages. But he he makes that choice, and it's powerful. Was it the right choice? I don't know, but it's it it. I mean, ultimately, it probably is in the sense that what good Superman can bring to the universe versus what he can. And that's a whole philosophical debate. What's one life worth versus another? What's one, the amount of good that one can do versus the amount of good that another can do? And uh, you could have a whole philosophical debate about that. So then we get to part five. 
part five, the thousand deaths of Lois Lane. This one was very controversial because there was images that were circulated of of we just get gratuitous deaths of Lois Lane. Just the the entire issue the enti- is all about deaths of Lois Lane. Like let's be perverse and and showing how many different ways Lois can die. And the first page is Lois being shot in the head by Lex Luthor. Um, or having been shot in the head and she's laying on the ground with a bullet hole in her head. But for all the attention that this got, it was unwarranted in my opinion, because this, this storyline is showing that Superman for as, as wondrous and, and, uh, and uplifting and a symbol of hope that he is, even he doubts and he worries and he has these thoughts, these, these, um, these mind worms that get in and fester in his mind and he's gone from earth and he knows that Lois is one to sometimes get into danger, get herself in dangerous situations. And, and so his mind is wondering what could be happening to Lois while I'm out here trying to save this little girl. What's happening to my loved ones? What is hap? What could be happening? And that's what Tom King shows us. He shows us the, the, these um, scenarios that Superman is imagining. What's kind of funny is that it, the, it's also humorous because it shows the bureau. Th- this entire uh, part takes place while Superman is waiting to make an, in- an intergalactic phone call at a sort of a, sort of a call center for intergalactic phone calls, and the bureaucracy of it. It reminds me of the uh, se- the, the Secretary of State here in Michigan or the DMV and others in other states where you just sit and you're waiting forever as your number. When's your number going to be called and Superman has been trying to get this call through to Lois forever, and finally, at the end of the at the end of this part, he gets through. But we've had to sit through however many pages of all these different deaths of Lois Lane. But I found it, I found it profoundly powerful in the way that it shows Superman struggles, and it gives us something that we don't normally see. It was provocative, but. All the articles that I saw that were criticizing and were missing the point. This is all these panels were showing what's in somebody's imagination. Now it's hard to distinguish between between when when something's drawn on the page. Is it real or is it is it any less real because it's happening in Superman's mind? Where we as the audience are seeing it, anyways regardless of if if it's in a character's mind we're still seeing it on the page and maybe it has well not maybe it has more powerful it has more power but it's just another instance of i don't think people people being outraged by the headlines or look at this lois lane is dead how like we're we, we just get to see lois lane killed over and over but missing not seeing the forest through the trees and what what this is saying about Superman and what he's going through and what's going through. He's, this is a perfect example of when people say it's hard to write, it's hard to write Superman because he's all powerful. Well, it's, it's the emotion of Superman. It's, it's where it's the, he has a, he has a mind just like the rest of us and his mind can take him to dark places and make him question things and make him worry about his loved ones while he's out doing the right thing. And trying to save a little girl, but what's happening? What's what sacrifices are am I making? Who am I letting die back on Earth? What's happening to Lois? And I found it very powerful. So part six, we find Superman back in the past. With this, this one was very jarring when you read it, but it's a, it's a good story. But we find Superman back in the past with amnesia, and he's having a little World War II adventure with Sergeant Rock, and it sort of. We we show what inspires men and what's a symbol like like Superman and how it and how it can be a symbol of hope to these soldiers and these men, but also also what inspires Superman these these heroes these these World War Two heroes what 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 inspires Superman what helps to give him his drive and it's sort of a we inspire you you inspire us the readers are inspired by everyone type of story and. Those are big, grand ideas, that, and, and uh, but it's told very well in a, in a very short uh, few pages, um, tw- approximately 12 pages or so, um, actually probably more like 11. I actually did not count how long each part is, but an issue of a comic is about 22 pages 
usually, and just you get two parts per issue when they were divided into um, when they were published as six issues, so approximately eleven pages. And it's very interesting because we didn't see Superman go into any wormhole that sent him back in the past, but it's, it's told through the text. And then at the end, he's got to get back because things are the his the portal's closing. But I don't even think we see the portal at the beginning or the end. It's just sort of a it's sort of a as I've been saying, it's a one off adventure to explore these themes around Superman. Um, and this one really is disconnected because it it has very little to do with Superman on his journey to find Alice. But we, what, the only thing is that we know he's out in space and you wouldn't in comics, you often encounter weird things, weird science fiction things like these wormholes or portals that can take you to different places or even into the past as we find here. Um, but it's a good, it's a good, it's a good story. So, and it's, it's very interesting because we, it, it's, so inspirational because it shows what inspires Superman and the perseverance of man and, and these soldiers who don't have any powers like, like, like Superman does, but they're persevering. They're, they're striving to be the best and represent the best in humanity. And it sort of shows what goes into inspiring Superman and the pursuit and drive of what is good and being willing to fight for it. So then we have part seven. This is a Superman flash race. And it's an interesting story about Superman winning the race against what seems like impossible odds. Because I sort of agree when people say that Superman should lose to the Flash. Like, give the, the Flash's thing is he's fast. So give him that. Let him be the best at that. And I personally think that when, if, if and when Superman and Flash race, it should be the Flash that wins. Superman has so many other things going for him that he doesn't need to also be the fastest. Um, and so I'm fine with the Flash beating him. Usually, just in in theory, um, but in this story, it seems like impossible odds that Superman's going to win, and we and Superman does what he has to do, no matter what, to win. He has Lex Luthor has bet big against Superman, and there's going to be a lot of children who will benefit if Superman wins. And it's sort of presented that Lex is doing this to look like he's being charitable and to say, well, look what I'm going to do. I'm willing to bet this money on Superman. And so so that way he can look to society like he has a lot of trust in Superman. Of course, he can't be Superman's enemy. He's 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 willing to bet for Superman to win this race. And he's willing to bet big and to put a lot down and help a lot of people. Now, in his mind, he thinks Superman's going to lose, and so it'll be Superman's fault that all these children get to lose out on this money. Um, I, I believe it was for children's hospitals. that, And so it was going to be Superman's fault. He lost the race. If he, would have, if, if he could have just won this race, these children wouldn't be much better off. And Superman, with super hearing, is able to, to hear about this, and he seems like he's going to lose but he does what he has to and basically that's all there is like he doesn't we're not sure like well why wasn't he running as fast like he just he just puts on the extra the extra power and he wins and you can kind of question well why did he win he was losing before he heard this and and what you know the extra where did he even get this extra burst of reserve and it doesn't matter it happened he won the race and he lex luther lost and so you might be wondering, well, what in the world does this race have to do with with Alice and finding Alice? Well, we learn on the very last page of the part that Alice is telling the story out loud, either to herself or these other aliens that are sort of trapped with her. But they're, they seem unconscious. She might just be – it makes it seem like she just might be telling this to herself to keep herself going. She has to motivate herself to in this, in this time of being kidnapped by aliens in this foreign environment, and she's – you have to. She's a prisoner of war, and she needs to keep her motivation up. And this is a motivational story that she knows. She probably tells it to herself all the time to help keep herself going. We all have those things that we tell ourselves or that we think about to help keep ourselves going. We can do better. Strive to do better. Strive to survive when we against odds where we don't think we're going to. And this is a story that she tells herself. This inspirational story, and it's powerful. 
and you get to that last page and you might, if, if you're wondering, well, how, how does this tie in? Well, there you go, right at the last page. Part eight, Man and Superman. Clark fights Superman. The age-old Superman 3 scenario where the different parts of uh, Superman's psyche are not figuratively battling each other, literally battling each other. And the struggling duality of Superman. Clark is the the humanity, and Superman in this scenario isn't. And we have Clark in his suit and glasses against Superman, just like just like in Superman three, but except this fights this battles in space, and it's he metaphorically has to battle himself to dig down deep to keep going in impossible odds, and and to find that hope, to find that hope that that he needs to to, to keep going, and again a writer and artist finding a way to show Superman's struggle without making one of the things that's awesome is that this book shows how Superman can struggle psychologically with what he needs to do and the and the heavy weight that he carries with him and and can he do what needs to be done and but without getting with without making Superman angsty I was a lot of people's. I was a lot of people's complaint with Superman Earth One by J. Michael Straczynski, especially Volume One, is that we have an angsty Superman, and that's where the conflict, the psychological conflict, comes from. Is this is this angst, and this isn't. And I'll say that I actually really, really, really like. I I I find um, all three of the Earth One volumes uh, thoroughly enjoyable, and I should do an episode about those. But we have we Tom King is able to just sort of not write Superman as an angsty, brooding individual, but he still finds ways to to get into the psyche and bring out those psychological bits and that really drive us to relate with this character and enjoy reading about a Superman that struggles just like we might but without making it angsty. And I appreciate that, even though if it's done correctly, like Superman earth one, I don't mind some angst, but Tom King does it without angst in it. And it works so well. Um, especially this part with Superman, uh, metaphorically battling himself for the readers to enjoy. Part nine, Superman and dark side in exchange for information. Dark side says, says Superman needs to kill an innocent and to get information about, um, getting even closer to Alice, to her whereabouts. And we follow Su- Superman with an alien who has an incurable sickness that causes severe pain. He wants to die. And we end, and this is the the innocent that we believe Su- Superman will, will kill to get this information. And it, the story makes us think, well, he's an innocent, but he, he's, he's struggling to survive. He wants to die. We can see the rationale behind why this would be an individual. If, Su- if Superman's going to kill an innocent being, why this would might not be a bad scenario? It's somebody. It's an uh, alien that's dying from an incurable illness, and he suffers great pain. And by he'd be do- almost be doing two goods by getting inf- information for Alice and killing this killing this alien. And at the end of the part, we don't. It, it, it doesn't give us the answer and we're as readers we're left to think well did he or did he not kill this kill this um kill this alien and superman tells dark side either way i lose if i killed the innocent alien i lose i you know i sort of sacrifice my own morality and if i if i didn't then i also lose because i don't get this inf- this information for for, uh, for alice's whereabouts and i assume that we that Darkseid gave him the information, but we'll go on to part 10 uh, because Superman has been captured by the same aliens that kidnapped Alice. So Superman must have got some information or at least he got it from Darkseid or he found his way to the aliens. But we open with the issue and or the um, the part, part 10, and Superman's been captured by the aliens that have Alice. And the entire story is about an offer, sort of very similar to For the Man Who Has Everything, um, Superman has shown this perfect life, this life that he could have 
basically in the matrix that they could create in his mind for him. He could have this perfect life that they would provide for him. And of course, Superman declines this offer and he's going to fight for Alice. He's going to fight for reality. He's not going to live a perfect life in a, uh, in an altered fake reality. And that's, that's um, part 10. It's very powerful, but not a lot to say about it in terms of um, comments. Part 11, this is the battle for Alice, Superman battling the aliens. We learn that they took Alice just to learn about humans and to help prepare to invade Earth. Superman and the aliens fight while the invasion is going on on Earth. By defeating the controller, the invasion is stopped as well. By choosing to save Alice, he saved everyone. It's sort of a metaphor for every life mattering. And so what's, what's fascinating is that all the struggles that we've seen Superman having should he do this should he go save alice is it worth leaving earth leaving it unprotected to go find alice does does her life matter enough to 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 do this and by making that all by making that the 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 decision the sacrifice to to leave earth in peril and to go for this little girl who needs him he he ultimately saves everyone saves the world by choosing to do this now he didn't know this was going to happen nobody knew this was going to happen but it's just a metaphor for every life mattering. By saving this one life, I've saved everyone, everyone's life. And it's uh, pretty powerful stuff. Then we get to part 12, um, that aliens have been defeated. Superman saved Alice. Superman and Alice are flying home. And they have interesting and um, sort of silly philosophical... Well, some are silly and some aren't philosophical... Um, conversations and discussions not not discussions but it's mostly um alice asking superman very um interesting questions um and we learn throughout this issue that superman actually did not kill the alien in part nine he found a way to find a cure we don't know how that is did did superman develop the cure on his own did he find someone who to develop the cure we're not sure but what we know is that superman did not sacrifice the innocent in part nine, but he, he, so he, he, the impossible choice he made, he made both options work. And because that's just what Superman is and what he does, he's going to find a way to do the right thing and to not sacrifice what he believes in. And we get other, and, and then, um, they, they stop and visit the alien. That's how we find this out. And while they're flying home, Alice and Superman have conversations like, how do you fly? Um, and then it's funny because they get down to physics, like to go p- to propel one way, you have to push against another way. And so Alice asked, do you fire stuff out of your bottom and just don't tell people about it? <laughs> very, very funny. Um, if, if, if you and Batman fought, who would win? Do you believe in God? Who's your favorite Robin? Who's your favorite Robin? Conversations like that. And very, very fun conversations with Superman flying this girl to safety gorgeous art throughout the part the andy cuber knocked it out of the park with this with this part throughout the whole thing i've said he's knocked it out of the park but he really nailed it in this in in part 12 and and so those are the those those are the, the quick quick thoughts on each of the 12 uh parts that make this up and this really feels like a, as, as as i mentioned earlier it really feels like a prestige Superman story, an essential Superman story that should go down as one of the best ever. Um, unfortunately, I think the the Walmart nature of this book made it made it get sort of buried uh, by coming out as a Walmart exclusive. And for instance, a lot of times when I've read when I'm reading Superman something that's been out for a while, or I like to go to Superman homepage and read the reviews. What did just sort of to gauge what what did other people think, or at least one other person. I like to read the reviews of the issues on Superman homepage. They always review everything for uh, relating to Superman. But you know what they don't have? All the parts here for this story. They have, I think, a review of part one. And I think, I bet, just because of the nature of them being Walmart exclusives and things, they just fell through the cracks. And it was, and then when they were printed as single issues um, for the direct market, they they weren't... It wasn't new content, so they didn't review those also. And so I, I just fear that this book sort of got buried um, and didn't get the accolades that it deserves. I hope I found it at a comic book shop on the shelf. I hope p- 
people discover this on Barnes and Noble shelves or wherever the, wherever you find your books and wherever people find their books and graphic novels that uh, they see this and pick it up and uh, as I mentioned the uh, the art the the cover is really uh, is really compelling and you would see I personally think if you saw it on the shelf you might go Ooh, what is this let me check this out um, I think it's got uh, really gripping and um, cool uh, cool even even different fonts that DC doesn't sort of use and they have these sort of bubbles on the edge that Superman each a bubble for each letter it's kind of hard to describe it probably sounds stupid oh there's bubbles there's these like circular like bubbles that run down the spine of the book that I but knowing graphic novels as I do it stood out and so it made me grab it off the shelf um, and and it was such a gorgeous pre- presentation that I was like I gotta pick this up and support the, lo- the local comic book shop in general but that's it for superman up in the sky if you haven't read it check it out if you have read it write in let me let me know what you think am i overdoing it in 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 terms of the praise because i don't think this thing can get enough praise personally for being one of the best superman stories i've read in a long time this might be i'd have to think about it there was some really good stuff in the tomasi rebirth run um I also really like the Dan Jorgens run, but I, I, I like the Tomasi run a little bit more. It was a little bit more family oriented with John Kent and Lois Lane. So there was some good stuff in the Tomasi run, but this might be the f- best thing that I've read since Earth One Volume One came out. I'd have to mull, mull that over and think that over because I'm saying that on the fly here as I'm recording. So, I mean, and that was 10 years ago, 2010, I believe, that Earth One Volume One came out. But either way, I think it's fantastic storyline. With that, let's get to Booster Gold. So picking up where I was reviewing last week with uh, Booster Gold issue three, because I know last week I reviewed issue two. Oh, wait, wait, it wasn't last week. It was six years ago. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So when I first started out this show in 2014, it might have been late 2013, whatever it was. I my edict, my own personal edict for the show is that I was going to talk about anything about Superman that I wanted. And but I was gonna run. I was gonna talk about Booster Gold chronologically, starting at issue one. And I talked about this on a previous episode about just getting burned out very quickly. I think I only got three episodes out before I got burned out. We had a second child. We ended up moving, and all all these things that sort of got in the way of of um just feeling passionate about it. And so it sort of dropped off after three issues. And, or after three episodes. So I, I recorded, I, I reviewed Booster Gold Volume 1, Issue 1, issue two, and then Issue 2 in the next episode, and that was it. <laughs> and then the show went dark for six years. Um, and so here we are back in 2020. Uh, I'm going to pick back up. I'm not going to... This is a one-off. Next episode, I might, I'll might i talk about anything I want about Booster Gold. I'm not sure exactly what it's going to be at the moment, but it probably won't be Issues 5, although maybe it could be. But... I've changed my edict for the show. My edict for the show was always talk about anything I want Superman related. And as I just mentioned, it was Chronicle Booster Gold chronologically. But I've changed that because to keep this going, to keep my passion going, I got to just talk about what is feeling like, what where the wind takes me, where I, the, the, the subjects and the, and the content that I want to talk about. So this time I had the... Hardcover, as I mentioned, the uh, the Big Fall hardcover of Booster Gold, issues 1 through 12 from Volume 1. And I wanted to sit down and dive into it. And so I'm going to talk about Booster Gold issue number 3. If you want to sort of get a, a get my thoughts, go back and listen to issues or episodes, um, episodes 2 and 3 to get my thoughts on Booster Gold, Volume 1, issues 1 and 2. Even I don't remember what I said about those. It was so long ago, and I did not re-listen to it. But I'm going to pick back up here with issue three. And first of all, I just want to say that the colors in this hardcover 
are gorgeous. This is one of the Sometimes when you get reprints of old material, it, it doesn't look the best. But this hardcover, and I'm hoping the upcoming Volume 2, looks really good. And so the the these issues look uh um they they look amazing um i forgot just how serialized the first you know the first handful of issues of volume one were uh issues one as up through the issue that i read issue four they are one long storyline and this was a little this this wasn't the norm back in 1985 86 when these issues were coming out um so we get Blackguard and Mind Dancer, and we get introduced to them, and we continue their story here in issue three. So here's my issue three synopsis. Picking up where issue number two left off, with Skeets being seemingly blown up by Blackguard, Mind Dancer and Blackguard escaped the fight. Mind Dancer takes Blackguard to the underground hideout of the Thousand. We have a brief scene with Thorn of Rose and Thorn fame, who has battled at the time the Hundred before, but now it's the Thousand. Booster Gold or Booster goes on a date with a TV star in his booster costume with full suit jacket, button and shirt, uh, button shirt and bow tie. I gotta say, it's pretty ridiculous looking. Uh, there's a panel of Booster standing and he looks really silly with a uh, full suit coat, button up shirt, bow tie, and the bottom looks like he's just wearing the skin tight leggings of his costume. It looks really uh, silly, actually, um, as much as I enjoy these issues and I love Booster Gold as a character, even I got to call a spade a spade. He looks quite ridiculous on on these uh, pages when, he, when, when he's out on the date. Um, the date does not go well, and Booster gets contacted by Skeets. They meet at Centennial Park. Booster explains that he realized that Skeets wasn't destroyed, what we saw at the end of issue two and the opening of issue three. Um, that that Skeets that he realized that Skeets wasn't destroyed when there wasn't any shrapnel to be found. We go underground to the lair of the thousand. The battle ensues with their defenses and with, and th- then with Mind Dancer and she uses her powers to knock Booster, um, to, to knock Booster out. We learn, um, we cut to Senator Ballard who has been a um sort of a B one of the running B storylines as Booster's been running into this senator who keeps calling him Buster, which is funny. Uh, but we learn that Senator Ballard um, is making moves against Booster, that, he's doesn't, that, that he has intentions to sort of take Booster down for whatever reason. And, the issue, and then we, the issue ends with Booster next to Blackguard on a table. Think very, very James Bondish with a, with a, with, with a laser. I wish I could do a good, um, Dr. Evil voice, but I can't really good do a good Dr. Evil voice, but we, the uh, issue ends with them next to a laser, what they call, but they call it a solar drill. They call it a solar drill. And that's where the issue ends. And so some of my thoughts on this issue, overall, the art is awesome. It bugs me a little bit, and this isn't just with this issue. It's these early issues. Um, it bugs me a little bit with the, as much as the art is awesome, it bugs me a little bit that Jurgens is a little bit lazy when drawing the star in Booster's chest. Sometimes he just draws it as a, like a little five line, what you would draw on your paper when you're just drawing a quick star. Like when I'm, you know, in in high school, you're drawing stars on your paper, uh, you know, the the quick five lines that you would just quickly draw to do a star. And... It's not filled in or colored or anything. It really looks a little sloppy, but it's one. It's a small detail, but it sort of bugs me. And, it, and it's resolved later in the um, later in the trade. So I was just flipping uh, to remind myself. Uh, you know, by issue twelve, the last issue in this, it's um, being filled in completely blue, and so it sort of isn't. A, it's a non-issue later on. But these early issues, it sort of bothers me that that was shortcut was taken it doesn't it definitely does not look as good um and i forgot that early on the gold the, the star in his chest wasn't completely blue it's got like a little um like a orangish yellowish like right in the middle um it's sort of interesting when it's when he was not being um taking shortcuts in the art and i shouldn't i dan jurgen's art is awesome i just want to say that and so i'm not being superly critical i'm just saying that it kind of bugged me though the shortcut there 
drawing the star, but when he was not, when he was drawing the full star, so not taking the shortcut, these early issues have like a little like gold in the, um, like right in the middle of the star, sort of interesting. And then uh, of course that goes away also later, uh, on, uh, subsequent issues. Not, I, I just flipped ahead in the trade. So it could be, you know, issues eight, nine, 10, 11, you know, later on, um, he's, sort of still defining you can tell these early issues he's still defining um what booster gold is going to be and exactly his costume and and um does he wear a cape does he not wear a cape i'll get to that in uh issue four so let's let's jump to issue four issue four is a very oh actually i didn't mention issue number one's cover is awesome uh, the the cover is booster looking really angry coming at the coming at camera and it's really dynamic, and I would pick it up if it was on the if it was on the stands. It's in Booster's entire upper torso just takes up the whole the whole cover. It's kind of got this cool yellowish like look to the to the cover. Really cool cover. Check out the show notes because I'm going to post the the cover in the show notes as I always do. If you don't check out my show notes, I always post the covers for what I'm talking about. Um, so now going from one awesome cover to a um, no, I wouldn't say a bad cover, but issues four, issue four's cover is pretty busy. I'll say that it's it's not a bad cover. It's just very busy. Um, I, I don't know if this one would make me pick it up off the shelf. Um, personally, I I think it's no. I know how awesome it is, but I don't know if it if the cover sells it. Um, and it says guest starring Rose and Thorn. This one has everything: Blackguard, Mind Dancer, and the minions of the Deadly Director. Um, which I gotta say this, I didn't say it for issue three. Uh, the director of the thousand has a really cool costume. It's kind of got this like black and white Spider-Man, um, face mask thing going on, but kind of, it's a very eighties costume, but I think it looks really cool. Uh, really cool villain in the, a lot of people would probably say it's cheesy and it really reminds me not in color scheme or anything, but it, (laughs) It, for for whatever reason, I'm reminded of Conduit, the Superman villain during uh, Death of Clark Kent, and that I thought that costume was awesome too. But it's sort of of its time, and I think that this the director's costume is of its time, but it's really kick ass. All right, so for the synopsis, Booster and Blackguard are about to be killed by the laser. Thorn has secretly followed Booster to the headquarters of the Thousand. She melts the power shackles and frees Booster and Blackguard. Or, well, it shows her freeing Booster, and for, for whatever reason, Blackguard gets free as also. Um, cut to Trixie, the side character. I didn't mention the previous issue. She was in it. There's, um, But cut to Trixie, and she's visiting her aunt. And, and it's sort of this is a quick scene that just tells us a little bit about Trixie's character, um, that she won't talk to the press about Booster, and she won't sort of sully his name for either money or whatever. She just wants, she respects Booster, and she's not going to do that. Cut back to the fight with Booster and Mind Dancer. Uh, th- one of the thousand, um, one of the defenses that an android has joined the, the fight. Blackguard is being controlled by Mind Dancer. And we get a one-pager about Thorne's history here, right in the middle of the story. And it's very interesting because it looks like it was definitely plotted with pre-crisis history. And it even references Thorne um, appearances and stories in Lois Lane 105 and Brave and the Bold 188 and 189. And so yeah, um, we already knew uh, from from the supplemental material here and, and, and um, Dan Jurgen's own anecdotes before that this series was being plotted before the crisis and it didn't know how it was, was going to incorporate the crisis. And so it's really interesting to have this post. One of the only examples I can think of again, I'm probably missing something off the top of my head, but of pre-crisis continuity being reflected in a post-crisis book without referencing the crisis or that it's out of continuity. This is just, if you didn't know any better this, the editor's note here is just see these other stories for some previous history on Thorn, Rose and Thorn. And I don't know if I mentioned this back when I reviewed episode or issue one back in 2014. Um, but going along those lines about that, it's clear that these were plotted at least and, and probably drawn pre-crisis was is in issue one. We see Jimmy Olsen as a reporter for WGBS and that just smacks of pre-crisis um, and 
so I was just reminded of, of that while reading this and the, uh, the editors notes. I was, I, I was a little, um, thrown for a loop. I was like, Oh, this is pre-crisis stuff here. It was, it, it was interesting. Um, Thorn takes Mind Dancer's mask off, and it's just a skeleton face. WTF? I don't, I, I, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know if I missed something, uh, but under that mask, Thorn or um, Mind Dancer has a uh, a skeleton face. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, maybe it was revealed, uh, or maybe maybe it will it will be revealed because uh, spoiler. I it's been a long time since I read these issues, and I. Um, I have not read beyond this issue, issue four yet in the trade, so I can't remember exactly where the story goes. But I, I, I don't think I missed anything so far about why Mind Dancer's face is a, a skull. Um, but it is, and it's just a skeleton face. It's creepy. Uh, the heroes have won for now. And then we cut to Booster going on a talk show to talk about the Thousand and the adventure that he's been on the last few issues and with the satellite guidance system, which sparked everything off in issue one. And then at blaze comics, they decide to move forward with the booster gold series. And the issue ends with Senator Ballard's team coming to gold star Inc. Um, sort of boosters, um, corporate headquarters being let, led by, um, by, um, Dirk and booster is going to be audited for not paying taxes. Everything that the kid of the 80s wants to read about is paying. Everything that any kid at any time point wants to read about is uh, their heroes not paying taxes. Dun, dun, dun. It's funny. I don't, um, as 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 an adult, I'm like, oh, shit. You got to pay your taxes. You're in deep shit. But um, as a kid, you're probably like, what the heck? Who cares about this? But um, that's how the issue ends is Booster is being audited for not paying taxes. And in the scene, Booster's Kate makes another uh, appearance. I'd like to call that out. So in these early issues, as I mentioned, that Booster is Jurgens is still flirting with uh, Booster, wearing a cape per- periodically. That gets dropped. I don't know exactly when. I'll try to note it as I read this um, when the last appearance of the cape is, but it's not yet because we still got the cape in this issue, issue four. This is a good issue. So my my summary of this: it's a good issue. It's basically one long fight. Uh, with a couple of um, cuts here um, to some other things going on, Trixie. One of the things that I want to bring up is sort of why I think these early Volume 1 and Volume 1 in general is a good series is because sort of the same reason that I think post-Crisis Triangle Year Superman is good is because it has a following. There's there's the A plot of what's going on with the Thousand and everything, but then we get these B plots. We get side characters that we actually grow to care about. Trixie, I haven't uh, talked about her that much in my synopses, but she's a character that I really like, and Dirk is sort of a, a slime ball, but I like him too, and I like these side characters, and I like following them and the soap opera aspect of, the, of everything going on and what's going on with Booster's dating life and his personal life, his taxes, and and things, things that as an adult, I don't know how I would have felt as a kid because I didn't get into Booster until I was older, but I probably still would have enjoyed it because as a kid, I really liked, it's very analogous to following, following Cat Grant's journey in the post-crisis comics and what's going on with Jose, Jose, Jose Delgado and, and these, these side characters that, um, and you could even argue that, you know, Jose, Jose, Jose Gangbuster, he's even more of a side character in the Superman books than either Trixie or Dirk is in the post-crisis books. But what's going on with Senator Ballard? It's, I mean, these books are, they want to have you keep coming back. They are serialized. It's, it's a, it's an ongoing story. It's a, this wasn't a 12 issue miniseries. It was designed. Booster Gold was designed as an ongoing and Jurgens plants enough of these subplots to really make it interesting. And I enjoy it when we cut from the fight to go, what's going on with Trixie? Like what's going on with Trixie and her aunt? It doesn't bore me. I, I quite enjoy it. So with that, hopefully you enjoyed getting back to uh, talking about Booster Gold Volume 1. Next episode is TBD. I do not know what I'm going to be talking about Booster Gold or Superman related for the August episode. But that's it for the July the July episode. I hope everyone is staying safe out there. If you're back to work or if you're working in person, I hope everybody's staying safe. All, all the essential workers out there, we thank you for keeping our society and our economy still going and letting us, we have, we're all, we can still go to the grocery store and all these things that 
it's becoming more and more apparent that this is just the new normal for a long time. Um, that this is just life and we got to do these things like podcasting to help keep ourselves sane and having fun. So with that, everyone, I hope everyone's having a great summer and it's wrapping up faster than I can believe. The kids are going to be back in school at the end of August, which summers keep getting shorter and shorter. When, when, when I was a kid, I felt like summer was forever. And now my kids' summers feel so short. They go up to school through first, second week of June. Then they're back in school by the third week of August. The J- July is the only full month without kids in school. And it's been a whole thing about kids wearing masks in school and the, the whole school debate uh, about what's going on and what's keep keeping people safe. I mean, should kids even be going back to school and everything? So not to bog the end of the episode down, uh, this was a fun. And the, everything that I talked about was um, I had a really good time because these are excellent comics. I had fun reading them while I was camping. And I will talk to you next time. <laughs>